Welcome to Shardcast, the Brandon Sanderson podcast. We're a bunch of mega fans giving you the news discussion. And of course, a lot of opinions about Brandon's works and the Cosmere. I'm Eric and joining me today is Alex. Oh, I didn't realize I was first. I Hi, literally I'm pasted the, the overlay. In. <laughs> you think that I'm like paying attention to where I am on that. Like I looked at and it and it didn't register for the last half what? hour. Listen, I've got, we're doing things. Hi, everybody. I'm Feather. I think I already said that. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. I love shipping. Thank you. Also joining us is Matt. Hey, I'm Comatose, a.k.a. Rashendi Trash hey, from the forums you, and Discord. You are Rashendi Trash. As, you have kept that in there for a long time. Well, as christened on this show, I think it was the anniversary mm. live stream ship. Or, oh, or the anniversary. it might have been that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not it a rip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah, yeah. Uh, I had to rip Rashendi. Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> And unjustly was given the point over Shannon, who 100% deserved the point for shipping them. But damn, I've spent uh, the Rashendi trash and my name is Atonement uh, for (laughs) having to rip it. Very good. Successfully ripping them. Very good. Also joining us is Grace. Hey, I'm Gator Girl. It's been a while. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. Hell yeah. And last but certainly not least, we have Shannon. Hi, I'm Gray, and I definitely did deserve that Rashendi point. I don't remember <laughs> who is the judge, but I I have I a lot remember. of I have a lot of like remembered losses that I'm like, I shouldn't have lost that point from previous <laughs> Ship It or Rip It games. Oh, I remember. I'm into this stuff. Um <laughs> uh, and my username is Deadweight because I'm complete Deadweight in this game. Please carry me. Uh, but we're happy you're here. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm is, present. So this is the OG Shipper Rip. It is. Cast. It is. It is. Oh. We, we were hoping Ooh, to get Katie, but the scheduling just didn't work. So do we have a different crew for us? Because this is our third one. I don't know where yeah, it's Ben. Crew I think Ben and Ian have both done it, right? Oh, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I know yeah. Ben was in one. It's I a would fun look, game. But... Everybody should play it. Yeah, Jeez, yeah. So play it. we do a are doing a game show it. today. We are playing Ship It or Rip It. We are going to have one person be the judge, and then we're going to have two teams. One who's going to ship a pair of characters, and the other that is going to rip that pair of characters. The judge decides who gets the point. Uh, we have a random number generator and a big list of characters uh there's 133 characters updated through tress of the emerald sea we got lost metal we got tress in there uh and we removed some people who uh like people two minor characters characters. (laughs) yeah so this this will be full cosmere spoilers yeah yeah absolutely uh yes so this is yeah that 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 is what we're doing. Okay, let me just like quick disclaimer for anybody who's maybe not in on fandom lingo. Ship referring to relationship, like usually a romantic pairing, oh, is yeah. what we're arguing for or against between our 
random characters. Right. Are Sometimes we need to get creative, though, with romantic <laughs> pairing and what. Yeah. Did, why did, could why we ship with characters are really soulmates, actually. Yeah, Renarin Renarin. and Asher. You guys Marn. shipped Renarin with Asher Marn, and I was the judge. And you had and to go. And we got you. Yeah, and, we, and you were gotten. You did. I gave the point to it. It was really well argued. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like wow. it. All right, everyone. Our first team. I'm the judge. I'm starting. So, you know, so the, these teams have a fair shot when I'm uh, judging because I'm not <laughs> weighing someone down. Uh, and mm. our ship team is going to be Alex Matt. And our rip team is going to be Shannon Grace. Mm. And who do we have for our first pairing? Uh, we're going to have Melon. Oh, this will be fun. <laughs> oh, and Charlie from Dress of the Emerald Sea. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, who's, who's, uh, yeah, Milan and Charlie, what do you got? The pro side should go first. Yeah, because the pro side goes first. I'm thinking. I'm yeah, thinking. I don't know if we can do Okay. Oh, yeah. No, I'm already shipping this and I have to be on the yeah. pro side. <laughs> this is the hard part every time. It's so easy to ship. So things. easy it's, to ship. Yeah. It's so emotionally difficult to rip things because you always see the potential. You never want to trash it. Okay. But so. I'm gonna. Um, I, I'll, I'll start Alex if you're, if you're thinking, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, so a big part of, uh, Charlie's arc is about like transformation and <laughs> becoming, um, like kind of shedding his disguise, which is his being the son of the Duke. That's not actually who he is inside, even though it's the position he was born into. And I think as a Chandra, Milan would really understand that. Um, also, we know that she is a world hopper. Um, so this could totally happen. And uh, Lumar is a planet that would be very fun to explore. Um, I think she would enjoy visiting. And also, um, Charlie is turned into a rat for a bit. So he has experience literally shape-shifting as all. Well as well so mm -hmm. they have some commonalities there i like that you're too much it's pretty okay. good pro arguments here's, here's my counter argument so okay yeah there might be maybe some initial interest but i think like they wouldn't really work and here's why so charlie throughout tress has like a very tumultuous home life like you know his father literally sent him off to die and like gets a replacement son. And that's like a lot of like trauma regarding his family life. And you know, one of the things is like Tress is a very stable character and she's a very committed character. And I think that's thing, those are things that Charlie is very attracted to. Whereas we know with Milan, she like has some issues committing. Like we see with Wayne, you know, she breaks up with him because she's a human and she doesn't see it like she doesn't see it working long term even even though like she admits that she really likes him so i think that's a relationship where if they do get together it would actually be very very detrimental for charlie's mental health in the long term because um milan you know would be scared of that commitment and then leave and then i think charlie needs someone in his life who is very like supportive and loving and 
who is very stable and to be in a relationship. And if I can add on to that, like, I think the, like looking at the attraction Milan had to wane at first, like, I think it was the fact that they weren't taking it too seriously. Mm -hmm. Charlie is not the kind of person who wouldn't, you know, he would take it seriously and he would be immediately from the get go. He would take it like a really serious, you know, he's in, he's, he wants to be in it for the long haul. And Milan, I think would be scared by that. And I think like she is compassionate enough that she wouldn't, try to initiate something with charlie knowing that about him i think like she wouldn't go for it oh that's a really good point <laughs> i gotta get a good counter argument try to swing us back so i'll say i think well for to at the start i think that milan has a sort of adventurous spirit that charlie i think would be really interested in i think he's a little bit of a quieter character who's maybe drawn to sort of like stronger female female leads and even though milan isn't necessarily like a protagonist in her story i think she has that sort of like whirlwind fun energy that charlie would be really attracted to but i think also there's something in them sort of pushing beyond the bounds of what they were meant to be maybe without fully resenting who that used to be like Melan is looking to be more than just a Kendra you know she doesn't just want to do the things that the Kendra are supposed to do and do it Harmony's way all the time like she wants to go have her own adventures and and see things and I think seeing someone who's really comfortable with herself and has a little bit more of a mature relationship with the sort of pressures of her past and responsibility could be something good for Charlie, who, like Matt was saying, sort of like got put in this box of being the Duke's son and he didn't really fit. Um, and I think actually the sort of like shared shape-shifting experience, like Charlie's, I think, was a very traumatic experience to be in a body that was different from his own. And I think maybe someone who does that sort of thing really naturally could actually empathize with it in a way that perhaps another human character couldn't and help him sort of process some of that like body transformation trauma that he's been through. So that's that's there's my counter argument for why we should go back together. Um, and can I respond quick to a couple of the Grace and Shannon points? <laughs> okay. <laughs> just really quick. I'm just going to say to the point about Milan um, maybe hurting Charlie because, you know, she's so flighty and like he needs a stable relationship. A, I think a relationship's uh, permanence or lack thereof is not a sign of how good a ship it is. An impermanent relationship can still be really compelling and fun. And B, um, you know, Charlie and Tress are embracing that pirate lifestyle. They could do a poly experiment with Milan. And all have Milan to. would be really up for that. And, uh, and then Charlie would still have his stable, like, partner that he needs to kind of help process some of his trauma but also has, you know, someone to experiment with, so. But would Charlie even be interested in that more unstable relationship? Like, we see he was so committed to trust that he was willing to, like, torch his chances with these other women and not even entertain the thought of getting to know them better because he wanted to be able to come back to trust and be with her. 
I think everything we have seen from Charlie shows that he is like a serious monogamist and would not be interested in experimenting with the poly lifestyle. Or an impermanent one. Going into it knowing that it's impermanent or going to be temporary, I think would not appeal to him. Uh, even though, like, and I think Milan would be straight with him from the get go. That this, like, you know, if she's going to be, if she's going to be into it, she's not going to, she, she doesn't want this to be a permanent uh, forever love. And I think that would be a turnoff for Charlie. I, this is I, really hard for me to judge. Okay. <laughs> like, this is, you got to call it at some point, Eric. Yeah. You, are think, you going to call it? I think I, I got I can call do another it. point. Uh, I, oh, did you have more? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I was about I was about to like reach around the way of saying I think I've I think I've rested my case. Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I I think it's both a good ship and a bad ship for all these reasons. As <laughs> ah, this is so tricky. I think Can I'm I gonna throw one tiny thing okay. out there real all quick. Right. All right, this doesn't have to be an argument. I just need to say it because okay, I, okay. I think. <laughs> Milan deserves a sweet boy rebound after the nastiness of Wayne because Wayne's a nasty character. She deserves a sweet boy. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. I think shipping something because Milan deserves something nice is... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Continue. Lots of nice boys out there. It doesn't have to be Charlie. <laughs> My heart says rip. Sorry, guys. Uh, All right. Yeah, Charlie is... Charlie's my boy. I was like, I have to win this. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, Grace right. with the character. All right. The judge is Alex. Shipping is Grace and I. And ripping is Shannon and Matt. And, uh, all right. We have Shalon. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Okay. And Toral Sadius. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rest on our laurels here. Uh, I'm not gonna. Pull, I'm not gonna count eggs just yet. Um, Alex, I want to paint you a picture. Okay, do you, oh, Grace? Do you want to go first? Go for I was it. Say, I'll, I'll go. But if you've got no, something, no, no, Grace, by all means. Okay, so I think Sadius, like if he got to know Shalon, would be really deeply attracted to her. Because, like, from we've seen with Eli, you know, she's a woman that is not afraid to buck society standards in terms of, like, you know, sitting at the men's table and eating men's food and having a symmetrical name. And she's also kind of like this spy mask. Like, she does have, like, a spy network. Um, and I think that Sadius, if he got to know Shalon, would see, would be very attracted to a lot of those same traits. I I want to paint you a picture, Alex. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's imagine at the end of Words of Radiance that Adolin doesn't kill Sadius, but Sadius kills Adolin. Okay. <laughs> so we're in, we're in an alternate timeline. And this sets Shalon <laughs> um, or, down an even darker path. Her personality is splintering more, and she does join the Ghostbloods. And I think okay. in the, in this situation, Shalon, she she's she's evil Shalon now, and so she uh, she needs uh, 
<laughs> she's going to use Sadius to advance her goals. And I think Sadius would be attracted to Shallan for all of these uh, reasons. And Shallan would be into Sadius because it's advancing her overall goals uh, of the Ghostbloods who want control of your Ethereum. And so I, I think it, it works from both Sadius and Evil Shallan's perspective. I do have a counter. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm sure there's a few. Um, there's yeah. been some chatter. There's been some side commentary in the text chat about whether or not this is a legal move that has been deployed by the ship team. Um, I, you know, I'll, it's it's a, it's sustained, sustained, sustained. <laughs> I'm just saying you evaluate it based on the ship, not on the fact that Shallan happens to be a ghost blood. I'm just saying it's a character. Like, I'm I'm making, I'm yeah, painting no, no, no. a picture no, I here. think I'm, not, I'm just yeah. playing the game correctly, yeah. catering to the judge is how we win just games. The ghost blood Shallan is not the primary part of this. That is, like, part of this. <laughs> I'm just like, it's a rationalization. I'm just Here's saying that, like, painting a picture for a story is how you ship Renar in an Asher Mar. <laughs> That's exactly how we got there. That's exactly how you do it. Um, I have a very good level of skybreaker impartiality as a judge. Like, I would never let my own personal. (laughs) (laughs) Kelsey or anyone rip. Rip. Okay. Anyway, rip team, please. I get to go. Thanks. Yes. Uh, Okay. Here's the thing I was already thinking about. You have to think about why this works to think about why it doesn't. The only way I can see this working is is a sort of um, a devolution arc for for Shalon. Like this is if if this ship happens, it's because something has gone totally wrong for Shalon, um, and that can work. That can make a valid ship as like you know you know my thoughts on shipping. It doesn't have to be a healthy ship. My only thing is. I think this specific devolution arc where she ends up in Sidious in any form is a really boring one. I do not think that Sadius feeds into her worst impulses in any way. I don't even think he touches what makes her, you know. So like in, in what but the way I see this happening is kind of the worst of all worlds, not in like a obviously I don't think there's a world in which this is a healthy ship where they both grow and become better people together or like that. But also I don't see this working in a devolution spiral arc. Our lives are falling apart and we're like so awful for each other, but it's like crunchy and awful and like, you know, like compelling train crash kind of way. I don't think it's even that. I think this is just the the most milk toast, middle of the line, the things that like that make Shalon click or that make her spiral are not even close to the things that like Sidious is focused on. He is purely like he wants to play games with the politics and of a left card. That's not what she's into. She's like she likes her little spy games. He's playing like politics. Let me let me get into the colon's uh, b- business. Like let me be the fly in their ointment. And he want he's a small minded. He's got like all only thinking about the kingdom of Alethkar. Shalon is playing 4D chess. She's playing 5D chess. She wants to be uh play, you know, into the interstellar Cosmere games. She wants to be doing that kind of thing. And I feel like Sadius wouldn't even be an interesting sort of propeller for her issues. Like let's if we're going to go ham on how awful and crunchy a ship can be, this isn't even 
touching that. And that's what I think. I think middle of the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, I agree, Shannon. And I think also like it kind of plays into like Sidious has like a controlling side. And yes, him and ILA are more like equal partners, but I don't think he'd come into a relationship with Shallan like that because you see him being very dismissive of most other people other than ILA. And so I think it would, if there's a regression arc, it would be more back to like timid Shallan, like she was in her, her father's house. Um, and it just feels like kind of a win. We don't need to give the patriarchy, right? Like, <laughs> um, like I, I think that's a little like tired and like, she's done that arc already. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't really see it. Um, and I think, you know, there's really beautiful poetry that Adolin kills Sidious and Shallan kills Eli or Radiant kills Eli, however you want to put that. Um, and yeah, bringing Sidious back and forcing this relationship would kind of mess with all that fun um, See, juice okay. we already have. Here we are. So we're talking all about you know shalon and her spiraling but i see this as like this really toxic like almost game of like cat and mouse where they're sort of attracted to each other and trying to use each other and it doesn't always work so sadius wants to mess with the colins and with shalon's arc when she arrives on the Shattered Plains, her betrothal to Adolin, her time under Yasna is very close to the Colins. But Shalon is also interested in Amaram because of what the Ghost Bloods ask her to do in stealing from him. So I see a world in which these two people sort of collide in this, in like, they're trying to use each other. It's not a healthy relationship where they're, you know, in love. There are these two people who think, both sort of think, you know, from Sadia society thinks, you know, Shalon is like, I don't really respect her. She's close to the Colins. Like, I can use her to get in with them, get information, sabotage them. Whereas with Shalon's side, she's like, okay, like, I'm playing all these games, high games. Like, I can get in with um, Sadius. Hold on. I feel, hold on. I like, I think I'm conflating Sadius and Amram here. <laughs> Well, oh, Amram was good. under Sadius. Take your time. But so, yeah, he's yeah. he's a part of Sadius's court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. so I he's think, in there. I think there is a world in which, like, getting close in with Sadius and getting his information um, would be very useful to Shalon in that, like, she thinks it will advance her with the ghost bloods. But then, like, once they are close and once they are playing this mind games, there is this like very unexpected level of attraction between them where like shalon is like i know this person is bad for me and i know this person is like controlling and doesn't have my best interests at heart like she's still in this very unhealthy spiraling sort of way puts herself in this toxic situation whereas with sadius it's like okay sure i don't really respect her but like you know she's kind of uh you know a spy she's kind of like this this you know sort of strong woman who like like my wife and i'm attracted to um 
And so that's sort of where that relationship comes. And it's the sort of relationship that will end with like one of them stabbing the other person in the back when they're like in bed with their guard down. But I think that's what makes it so fun is, you know, the the toxicity ending with that explosive, you know, murder, I think is where the ship would go. And and I think with Sadius, there's a possibility that his being small-minded in scope is changed by Shalon, and he actually changes to take a more expansive view of maybe dominating mm. the Cosmere rather than just the Shattered Plains and Alethkar. Uh, mm. And so, like, uh, it's it's not just pure like he's controlling her; it, it, she's actually changing him to think bigger and so that's why he keeps her around more so that's why it's going to be a more long-term thing and then they eventually kill each other okay quick final thoughts from the the rip side i just don't think cds is capable of doing a cat and mouse the man got skunked by adolin who is not exactly <laughs> the height of you know <laughs> you know those kind of games you, you know what you need for a good cat and mouse let's try and one up the other you need panache you need theatricality you need riz sidious does not have it sidious <laughs> not riz he would be left in the dust by shalon so fast this is a it would not be like a fun game of like master who's the master here who's who's the prey you know it would you can't do a cat and mouse game when someone's so sad like this. But yeah. that's why but that's why it's equal. You know, Matt saying, you know, the patriarchy, we already did that. But Shalon being a step ahead of him at every step of the point is how this ship dismantles the patriarchy. Because even though he <laughs> underestimates her, she's the one with the mind who is in control. Oh I, I think my argument stands for itself and I'll let Matt go. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's exactly the point, though. He underestimates her. So how does this go? Either she, like, retreats because it's, like, her father's situation, and then we have that again. Or she's playing on another level, and he's underestimating her, so you still don't have that cat and mouse because he's he doesn't realize she's playing. He thinks she's just this silly girl. And I'll also say that i don't think like part of the point of sidious's character is that he doesn't really change like he is who he is he is who he has been um since he was a youth with dalinar and, and gavilar and even though like dalinar is changing and dalinar is saying you know there are bigger things like we need to like worry about and sidious is just caught in his princely intrigues like he never moves on from that so Mm -hmm. all right we're all rest i will i will call it here but i think moving towards like this has to be a toxic crunchy devolving ship is the way to go but i'm gonna give it to the rip team i Damn. think they made a really good case uh, that there's not yeah. quite enough like the nasty foils to really exacerbate each other's issues to go that route all the way 
Also, a win we can't give the patriarchy is a That's a win we can't. I, I absolutely was conflating Amaram and Sadius when I was yeah. thinking through my arguments. I was thinking Shalon and Amaram, not Shalon and Sadius. Yeah. Well, when you were saying that, Grace, actually, I think what you guys were arguing could work better with Amram instead. Yeah, yeah to be honest, yeah. That's what I was, that's that's what I, that was like. I already committed to this. I'm just going to segue in. I, yeah. I realized Amram, Amram, Amram is no brace, but he has more than yeah. Sidious. So. Yeah. Well, also yeah. with Amram, you have One the juice of his too. history with Yasna. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like that, it certainly makes, gives it a little, and also the juice with like Halloran and with Kaladin, like, mm-hmm. There's just Amram like, just has more angles. Yeah, I, I, I was Today, like, I, not I, enough I, You're right. I, I think we were working from a disadvantage. With yeah, the I ship think we. Yeah, I think it, shot. I think we the did pretty good considering who this was. It was okay. Camilla. It, it was throwing out the gate. It was I, a I, great I, play. It was a great <laughs> argument, Eric. Good yeah. play. An excellent judgment bringing Ghost Blood Shalon in. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now we have Judge Matt. Shipping is Eric Shannon. Ripping is Grace Alex. And who do we have here? So we have... I think Grace and Alex are very formidable. I absolutely agree. I think everybody on this call is formidable. Even Eric, who is selling himself short. Look, I think that's going to be my one good argument in this show. We'll We'll see. We'll see how this is going to turn around. We're going to have Chris Renette. And we're ripping that, Alex. (laughs) Ripping Chris Renette. Okay. All right. Sure. All right. What do you think here? All right. Um. Do do, do I want to? I I have some initial thoughts. I, you, well, but I, I think, think ships. Ship I do not think normally. that has to be the case, Matt. Matt. I think anyone I, can. Go I first. like it when the pros start. Okay. I, All right. Yeah. Go yeah. for it. That. If you. Yeah. Chris. Kind of like it's like yeah. you're putting forward the thing to get like ripped down. Yeah. Okay. Chris <laughs> wants to know how the world works, how the Cosmere works, right? The mechanics of all these things. Renette is basically a mechanic just of weaponry. And so I think that there is a natural uh, synergy between these two, okay, where it, they both want to discover and uh, new things. Chris is more uh, a discoverer rather than a creator, but I think uh, her being with someone who has that creative energy to build and construct things would really fascinate her. And I think Renette would be interested in more mechanics. And so I think that this just works really great together that they, they would have uh, not, they're not the same, but there's, there's a lot of synergy between these two. I actually like how not scholarly Renette is because I think mm-hmm. that's something Brandon does a lot is like women are scholarly women are, you mm. know, the, the spheres of the mind, the sphere of, uh, learning, but I I really appreciate that Renette is more of a go getter, and I think that's sort of the element that her and Chris would 
would meet. No, neither of these are the the kind of learners, the kind of uh, the kind of people who sit around and let things happen. They are the kind who go and find things out themselves. They do things themselves. They're doers, and I think there would be a natural spark there. Uh, like when they meet, I think they this would be more of um, either the kind of thing where they instantly get along or all it takes is like one one scenario in the heat of battle or like in a crisis and then all of a sudden they would realize oh yeah that she has it she has yeah. what she has what i have okay mm-hmm. but you guys talk about them both being go-getters both of them being interested in knowledge but what i am seeing is like they're both kind of workaholics you know they're both <laughs> going to be the ones who are in the lab doing research late at night without someone there to pull them out and to say like no like it's time for us to go on vacation to the southern continent and not interview people about medallions all day and just have some time relaxing in like hot springs or something i think that like this isn't this isn't a scenario where neither like there i think both of them could very easily be more focused on their work and on their research than on their relationship and they would put the other person sort of in the back seat and i don't think that's you know a way to build a relationship and i think that's where the problem would lie i will also say i think grace is making very good points about the two of them really not being compatible but i also think this is a situation in which you sort of have two big personalities that would clash um you know i think chris is very you know, she's the Duchess. She kind of has this very dramatic presence when she's on screen and she spends her time with someone like Nash, who's much quieter. He's very effective, but he's not going to like sort of get in the way and and clash with her. I think Renette is also sort of very strong willed, very headstrong. And I think they would end up sort of butting heads and both sort of wanting to a little bit be in charge of what's going on and what they're going to do. And I'll also say is that we know how much uh, Chris loves to travel and see the Cosmere and explore. And I think I'm remembering this correctly, but isn't there a whole thing in the Lost Metal about how like Renette went on her honeymoon and all she could think about was how sick she was of being in a place that wasn't home and just wanted to get back to her workshop. Like they went on this like big sightseeing tour to the, the Malwish and she was like, I didn't like it that much. Vacation kind of sucked. I just want to be back home and do my tool stuff. Like, I don't think they have enough similar interests to be able to have a life together in a way that either of them would want. I disagree with everything you said. So one, look, if they're both workaholics, like I think if you're a workaholic with someone who's not a workaholic and then there's a mismatch of expectations in the relationship right if you're both on the same page it's like yeah we're workaholics our career is extremely important to us and then they understand that and they there's not that uh you know mismatch of expectations and so that doesn't necessarily need to be a problem and secondly renette would understand that Chris's workshop is the whole Cosmere and where she needs to work is everywhere. Whereas Chris would understand, oh, your work 
is here at this workshop. And so I think they would actually understand uh, one, like maybe, maybe initially that would be a bit problematic, but once they, they talk, find their rhythm. Yeah. Find their rhythm. And then they're like, Oh yeah, the, we are both workaholics. And now, now I see that our labs are just different places. And I also have a number of responses. Um, I also think I also think it can work. It is in some ways we think of it as not ideal, but there are plenty of healthy, very functional relationships where one partner travels a lot and that's it happens. True. Um, I don't my immediate thought was like, I don't enjoy the thought of like they're always being like there has to be a person in the relationship who's telling the other person to stop. Um, and, you know. I don't see that either of them is the type to ignore another relationship, like especially Renette. We know this is something that she wants. This is me speaking out of ignorance of Chris. I haven't read White Sand. Um, she doesn't. She's well, I, she was married, but or yeah. engaged, right? She was engaged. I think it's I think it's totally fair and possible for there to be relationships where they're both fully into their own thing and to carve out time for uh, themselves, you know, it doesn't have to be, we have to be around each other 24 seven at every waking moment. Like, I think they're the type who love their work. And I think it makes a lot of sense for them to be, to understand other people loving their work too. Uh, the mismatch of I- ideas and like, you know, in real life, we have certain mismatches where there are jobs that take a lot of people, one partner's time, but not another one. And there are problems there. Uh, you know, like if someone works, uh, in healthcare, they can have long shifts they're away and all of a sudden they're away for even like it might feel like they're away for days at a time so it's like hard to carve out uh that's like moments with your partner but i think if they're they're both into that kind of lifestyle they would both know we are into our work we love it when and we're full charge ahead when we're into our work and then when it's time for the relationship it's time for the relationship we're on that too so i don't think that that's even a problem big personalities create sparks uh and so even even if they're two, but two, both two big personalities, they're different spheres. I don't see them actually clashing in a way that matters because, you know, Renette likes to get get stuff prepared and like hand things off to the people that she loves in order to prepare them for their trip and you know and true. their business. Very true. I don't see. I don't. I don't actually see her stepping on any toes when it comes to you know Chris wanting to lead her own thing. Like, here's my part. I'm gonna get everything ready for when you go baby and then she and then hands things off to uh onto chris i think this is a very natural like you know shifting the baton of like this is my sphere i'm going to take care of you and then uh pass it on to the next one there would be sparks because renette likes making <laughs> sparks because guns and gunpowder boom easy see i think what i would say is I actually don't think they're the kind of clashing personalities that would make sparks is my thing. I think like, I don't think it would work because I think they're both sort of big personalities that wouldn't be able to sort of get through to each other of Renette's prickly. She doesn't open up to people. She wants to do her own thing. She's not really the sort of person who connects with other people easily. And I think someone who's sort of like dramatic and sort of a strong, very confident persona is, you know, they're going to meet. They're not going to connect to each other at all. And I think they just sort of bounce off and aren't able to get to a point where either one of them could get deeper or learn more about 
the other person in the sort of vulnerable way that you need for an actual like emotional connection. Like I think part of what sort of Wayne finally managed to do when he stopped being obnoxious to Renette is like he had a little bit of persistence that once it wasn't an unwelcome persistence, he could kind of get in there and sort of just be a friend to Renette in a way that like got through her shell. I think Chris has too much to do. She's like, she's looking for big, interesting people. She's a big, interesting personality herself. If she meets a grumpy mechanic, like why is she going to dig in there? She's got better things to do. Just, I think they'd bounce off and move, move on. And there really wouldn't be, anything that would draw them together to establish a relationship in the first place. Well, you're just like acting as though in this universe, there's no such thing as a meet cute. Like <laughs> it's sort of like they would never meet. Therefore they would never have a relationship. Like, come on in this, we got to like, we got to dream a little, like, I don't Renette, see all the meet has to scenario <laughs> that would break the ice between these two. That's I what they, I, I, I that's the first up. thing I said was like a moment of crisis show their worth mm -hmm. It's sort of that's that's a mute cute in a world like this. Be like, hey, you're awesome. Hey, Matt you're pretty cool his... too. <laughs> I, I think I'm ready to call it um, <laughs> unless someone has a burning point left to make. No. What you I'm got, Matt? Uh, I'm going to I ship it, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I ship it. It's great. Um, I'm on the board. Yeah, Shannon's ripped, in the lead ripped, with three. Ripped lost. made a valiant effort. Um, I thought their arguments were really good. I, was I, I like, did oh. think their arguments were really good. Yeah. I was like, yeah. damn it. Oh, I, I think, think the right. most yeah, convincing is that they're just kind of like similar in the wrong ways to create chemistry. <laughs> yeah. Like they would just be like buds. Um, mm -hmm. But. I yeah. can see them being work buds, like yeah, colleagues yeah, for sure. who like, but maybe, you know, like uh, warmth could grow, but at, at the same time, I think yeah. like it would take a very specific yeah. firefight but, or something like, <laughs> you know, but, I'm imagining like, there's a lot of cool, like the synergy of like them both being kind of like practical scientists in a way and like magic guns. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was one where I think Rip definitely opened with a disadvantage yeah. though also like, oh, i did shit. fact check out fact check something alex said listen i know i was wrong about it i found that out later and i was hoping nobody was going to call me listen while you guys are doing your opening arguments i was on the i Bible. don't know you can't say things you know are wrong i don't remember enough of these things. i was looking for the scene because i thought i remembered it and i thought i had found it and then i went and read it closer and it didn't actually say the thing that i thought it said oh, with so, like her because she, she grudgingly Admit her that begrudging, she yeah. She actually did like traveling a little bit. Oh, see, easy, easy, easy. Oh, <laughs> nailed it. Yeah. I was gonna bring it up. I misremembered. I tried to check my source. Whatever. It, you you were so convincing in what you said. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just don't know better. I just don't know better. All right, guys. <sighs> Our next judge is Lady Grace, and uh, the ship team is Shannon Matt. The ah. the the OG uh, power ship or rip team, I think. And the rip is Alex, Eric and the characters are Wayne. And mm. ruin slash. <laughs> oh, no. Making me ship Wayne. Uh. I know. Making me ship Wayne. Now I have to think about things in a positive light. I, I oh. did not doctor anything that 
the teams are randomly generated and the pairings are randomly generated and i Uh randomly generated them uh separately so yeah that's just how it goes (laughs) (laughs) i i I did find it amusing the two wayne haters gotta shift them Hey, I don't like Wayne either. Don't don't leave me out of the Wayne. Oh, yeah. You get Thank- to be on the rib team. Thanks for all the dislikes, guys. I'm bringing that up. Uh, this, is, this is really great. <laughs> Boom. Hell yeah. There are strong opinions about Wayne in the room. This does yeah. not represent the official opinions of 17th Shard. You have an official opinion? We no official no, opinion. We do not. <laughs> nice. There are lots of Wayne lovers on staff. It's- I gotta think about who Ruin is. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll start. Okay. So I was gonna bring this up eventually. First off, it's Pride Month, and you know, <laughs> yeah, Wayne is um, not great to women. How do we address both those things? We make him gay. And guess what? His like fascination with wax, like that's he's already partway there. And him and Milan have been like experimenting, right? So and she experiments with gender. He's fine. That's true. It. That's he's totally. great. And and Wayne also is like he loves plays it. around with fluidity a bit in his disguises too. Mm-hmm. Um, Ati, um, I think like ruin Ati and Laris ruin in preservation. Like that's. Obviously, Classic. a love story is oldest time. Um, so yeah, everyone. Yeah, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah. Tragic cross star love. Yeah, something that has not been um, denied by Brandon. Um, <laughs> and that's how we confirm theories these days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Brandon didn't say no. Didn't, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's some good uh, fanfic out there on it. Anyway, um, but. So Wayne and Ati. So what do we know about Ati? We know he was a kind and gentle man before. Generous, generous, not gentle. Generous, generous generous. and gentle. Just to be clear. Okay. He was kind. Um, (laughs) And before uh, Ruin started uh, taking him over. And so I think his experience of being corrupted with something might help Wayne start to recognize some of his flaws and realize how he started out as this kind of like plucky kid and then slowly became corrupted by some of these problematic behaviors. And I think that's one of the things that's really missing from the Lost Metal to make Wayne work more as a character is because Wax and Wayne had to be like, we're getting the band back together. We never got a really good scene where wax kind of holds wayne accountable and yeah i think ati could do that for wayne even not intentionally just by sharing his experiences and wayne can realize man like i've been ruining things too and wayne does beat himself up about you know wrecking everything but i think with ati's help they can kind of learn together get back to who they really are and then they can be gay and in love. I have been struck over the head with the phrase, I ruin things too. So <laughs> I'm going to let the opposition go. I need to sit with that. <laughs> See, I think my problem with the idea of this being a good ship premise 
is I think when we start the books with Wayne, he's already a pretty ruinous person. Um, I mean, like he clutches on his gold in a way that, you know, he can just sort of be destructive and isn't, you know, he's he's the kind of person who breaks stuff and doesn't really think about it. And I think therefore any kind of connection with an entity like Ruin is not going to push him in an interesting direction. I think that's going to be stagnation. We're going to see a Wayne who just sort of keeps being destructive and not, you know, he doesn't have anything in that relationship that's pushing him towards something better or something more well-rounded in the way that I think we get with like the tempering influence of his sort of partnership with Wax or even I think that the way that really his dynamic with Harmony at the end of um, Lost Metal is compelling because we want to see Wayne sort of grow and develop as a person and become better than his worst impulses. And I think Wayne falling in with Ruin is just like, well, the worst impulses are in line with what's going on here and it's just going to stay that way. And I, I don't think that makes for an interesting character arc to just stay the same and still be ruinous the whole time. It's not an interesting character arc. And also Wayne wouldn't be attracted to that anyway. Like the, the, that destructive tendency is where he goes, right? But he doesn't like that. You know, like he there's there's a lot of self-loathing. And so I I don't think Wayne would be attracted to a god of destruction, really, because he 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 wants to get away from that or he just wants to destroy himself, really. And so the ship would never last, even if they did have something in common of those destructive tendencies, uh, they, this would just quickly lead to Wayne destroying himself, uh, until, you know, ruin uses him, uh, for some destructive ends. And then Wayne's just like, yeah, I am terrible. And then he just, then, then he ends things. And so it could never work. And it's not an interesting Uh, character arc. I do think that uh this would not be a permanent again like i'll I'll use the phrase again like forever love i do think this would be (laughs) i think this the way this shakes out is sort of um like a like a a temporary short term but no less real for what it is kind of situation for one ruin is part of harmony whatever thing whatever that harmony and wayne had at the end like you can't use harmony as an example of like what like clicking with with wayne in any way without saying well ruins there too because he is you know i think wayne seeing himself in ruin i think it would be like a gradual sort of slowly building a friendship and then realizing how much he has in common with at like of you know, you're you're trouble when you didn't want to be, when you didn't intend to be, but here you are making trouble. You know, I like and in and in the process of like being a support for for Ruin and you know, like and trying to convince him to that he can change and that this isn't who he is, I think he would fail. But I think that's that's what Wayne might try. I think 
in telling Ruin this and trying to be that support, he would realize this is the kind of thing he can't do. He he can't do for himself. He's never been able to say these words to himself before. And I think this would be the kind of sad relationship where there's real love, but in the end, when they realize it can't work, Wayne still realized AT was showing him part of himself. Like this was, he was like, I am like Ruin, aren't I? I think it's a sad relationship. I don't think this ends in love and happiness, but I, I think this is just one of those classic tragic romances. I, I can mm. agree tragic. I can't think love or passion is on that list uh, of uh, there. Passion like, doesn't need to be there. I, like, you know, it's this is the kind of thing. It's like there's no spark I'm, here. I'm, I'm asexual. There might not be a, sure. there might not be passion ever, but there might be love. I, I don't think Wayne would love that. See, I think if we're if we start to because my first approach to this was very much like the ruin shard as a concept. But I think if we want to get into like the vessel motivations of AT as a person, I think what we see from his time with ruin is he has this desire to be seen as good um you know the way that he talks to like vin in particular is like no i'm the kindly shopkeeper who's closing up at the end of the day this isn't this isn't a bad thing this destruction isn't isn't a terrible evil thing that you need to to hate it's it's good i'm doing a good thing it's inevitable this is it's just change and i think like AT is so almost like desperate for a validation on that front. And I think Wayne is the sort of person who just won't give it to him. I think Wayne sees something like that and goes like, no, mate, you're a bad guy. Like, whatever. Destruction's <laughs> bad. I'm not going to listen to this. Um, he doesn't like the no, destruction. Think, yeah. Yeah. That like that vulnerable craving to be understood. Like Wayne's just not the person who's ever going to empathize with the struggle of being a god of destruction <laughs> you're just gonna be like no that's that's a bad thing you're doing whatever i'm not i'm not interested in your sob story story at all right i'm calling it <laughs> okay. i'm giving this to the cons <laughs> i i think the pros relied a little too much on a characterization of Wayne that is just like I am a bad person and I ruin things and I don't think that was super compelling to me. Based on my understanding of the lost metal and not having reread era two, I think I was pretty on the money, but I understand. <laughs> I'm on the board finally, so I'll You're take on the it. Board. You're on the board. This is board. my first point. <laughs> I think I think I'll be honest, I think Matt's initial like Ati would show Wayne that he's ruining things was a little was a little weak for me and kind of kind of soured my uh, pro. Wow, fair. that's fair. Wow, that's fair. <laughs> it was a good effort, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it's uh, it's faded from my mind. Immediately, um, yeah, I, I had something in response to what Alex was saying at the end there, but I don't Hell think yeah. it would have changed anything. High five, Alex. <laughs> Marishindi has reasserted itself. <laughs> the, the correct course of nature. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Our next judge is Shannon Ships. Our Alex Grace. And our rip is Matt Eric. We have... Oh, I'm so sorry, Matt. We have Alrian and Rushu. 
What? <laughs> <laughs> just. just... <laughs> Matt's physically in pain. I'm so sorry, Matt. It's garbage. Hate it. <laughs> worst, worst idea for a ship you've ever, you've ever heard. Yeah, the pain. I mean, I can come come out uh, with with an opening statement if mm-hmm. if we're all right. Please do. Um, I mean, I think this ship has just an obvious cuteness when you think about these two together like there's just kind of an adorable dynamic that comes together of Arianne obviously is a very happy bubbly friendly person um, who gloms onto people even if they're maybe not paying attention to her um, she like decides that we're going to be friends and then we're going to be friends and I think Rushu has this sort of She's also a little bit, I don't want to say oblivious. I love Urushu as a character. Everything I'm saying is with extreme fondness, but I think like she gets a little bit distracted and needs somebody to like pull her out to do a fun thing because she's gotten caught up in some little scholarship project. And, you know, I think we have like Rushu who joined the Ardentia because she just wanted to study and didn't want to deal with like weird male attention all the time i just think they would have like such cute little girlfriend moments of like alrian is taking them both shopping and rushu is like happily babbling about whatever academic project she's working on and alrian's like i love this babe i don't understand what you're saying right now but i love hearing you talk about it because you're so passionate about it and they just be the most adorable thank you yeah and just to sort of reiterate you know, we know Rushu's not into men, doesn't like male attention. We don't know, like, sh- she might like women's attention. That's not ever said. Um, and also, I think Rushu kind of has a tendency to get lost in her work and not always understand people. Like, she doesn't always understand, you know, sort of the nuances and implications in people when people say things, when they're not being direct to her. And I think that's an area where Alrion really shines. She understands people and their emotions very well. And I think that they're very complementary in that way. Whereas Alrion would be able to listen to the people around them and sort of understand, you know, sort of what they're saying beneath the words. Some of the things that Rushu maybe misses in conversations and would be able to sort of explain that to her and sort of help sort of be the one to help navigate social situations where Rushu is maybe less confident. And I think that they're like really compatible in that way and that they complement each other really well. So I think that they're not super well suited um, because so first off, we know Alrian has this interest in fashion. She has like a real passion for it. Um, and you can see in the books, even her choice of partner, you'll notice, while her and Breeze are very different, Breeze is also a very stylish person. So you can see how that interest of Alrian's is obviously a very key one. And for Rushu, I would say she joined the Ardentia. Escaping male attention is the rumor, but it also seems kind of like she was escaping 
norms of femininity. Um, she doesn't really show an interest in how she presents herself. Uh, she just wants to learn and she's almost trying to escape from her beauty. So I think there'd be kind of a lack of understanding between the two of them where Alrianne is kind of like doing her makeover thing like she did to Vin um, and Rushu not really being here for it because that's not really the right avenue for Rushu. Um, you know, with Vin, it was kind of an arc about her reclaiming her femininity and becoming um, and having a more positive relationship with it because she had always been, you know, kind of gravitating to be more boyish to avoid weakness. But with Rushu, I think it would be more returning, trying to return Rushu to a space she very much does not want to be and has no interest in being. I also think that Rushu is somewhat oblivious, aloof. Um, she seems to gravitate towards people and work with people who are like very obviously brilliant and intelligent, who she can converse with. And I honestly think she would not see through Alrian's act enough to realize how interesting Alrian is. Um, I think she'd be somewhat dismissive towards her and would never like break through the surface. I think she's capable of doing that, but I don't think there would be reasons for her uh, to do that. So I just don't think it's a good match. Um, and it and the faults in it are more problematic, I think, for the characters like self-actualization and their arcs. So I don't think it would work also either in a like a toxic way, really. They're also both really like wholesome characters. So I just any way you slice it, I just don't think it works. Like uh, Matt, you you basically said most of what I wanted to say. So good, good job and better than I was going to say it. So that works great for me. I think they could be friends, right? Like I, I, I could totally see that, but I, I don't like partners. I, I just can't see that for, for all the reasons Matt said. Like, I, I don't think Rushu could get under that surface, and I don't think Rushu would really get Alrian. Um, I, I could see a situation where Alrian gets very fascinated with Rushu and maybe develops a crush potentially, but indeed, Rushu doesn't really have that, that style aspect, so I just don't think... There's just that mismatch that I don't think is like an opposites attract type thing. I think Rushu and Orion becoming interesting in each other is just like a matter of circumstances, though. Like maybe Rushu was working on like a Fabriel related to like replicating the metallic arts and ends up like interviewing Alrion about her experiences and they end up working closely together and in in asking Alrion about her experiences with rioting and like Alrion starts to talk about the way that she needs to you know understand people's emotions and see through them and like I think that's sort of where their walls start to break down and they start to sort of see each other more and develop that deeper connection you know, it doesn't always have to be an instant thing. And I think these, this character, this, I think this actually could be a really compelling arc of like, these are the two people, like, they're not, these are the two people with different interests. But then, you know, through circumstances, 
ends up talking to each other and learning more about sort of their areas of expertise and end up developing that deeper connection in that way. Yeah, like I one of the things I really find fun about Alrion is that she's this sort of person who like you're an interesting person. We're friends now. Um, and like, I think Rushi would initially be a little bit oblivious to like why Alrion is hanging out with her all the time, but would eventually catch on. I, I love the vibe of like Rushi was just a little bit too smart for her own good and doesn't always, always, um, you know, catch on to things that maybe are a little more obvious because she's lost in the like high end details sort of a thing. But I think there's just so much potential for like, the high femme power couple that would be so underestimated too of, you know, they're both pretty. They both come off a little bit ditzy in their own way. Like these are two ladies that people are going to look at and underestimate. And yet you have Alrion who's like ruthlessly emotionally intelligent and knows how to get stuff done and do her own thing. And you have Rushu who's like got this incredibly brilliant strategist sort of mind who sees insights that aren't there. And I think they would just be so compatible if like their separate strengths would complement each other so perfectly. I just think they're awesome. I think they're great. I think, yeah. How could you, how could you not go for this ship? Well, like, I think part of it is though, like, it's just, there's going to be a power imbalance, like, because Alrian needs someone who can meet on her level and like be a, push to her pull and i think rushu who's very brilliant and very talented you know not that she's unequal to Alrion, but i think Alrion very clearly expresses a preference for someone she can play games with like her gamesmanship with breeze is part of the appeal of the relationship and Rushu, I think, is someone who kind of abhors games almost. Would not play like those games. She, yeah. Yeah. She wants things to be she wants things to be straightforward. So uh I'll leave unless someone has something like they really want to get in, I think I'm ready. Okay. This one was very tough. Yeah. I was swayed by every argument every time I heard it. Um I think I'm going to rule in favor of the ship. Um, I think it's there was cute. it was it's very compelling the bit about you know because I was sort of like listen I know what it's like to not be a very feminine woman and to like have that pushback. However, um, the the ship team never made an argument that Alrian would try and change Rushu in this way, and I think. I think that would not necessarily be part of that. I'm just like, listen, um, the the whole like, you know, super femme, not so femme. Like, I just like, I'm just like, I think it can work. It does work. Yeah. And uh, I, yeah, I think Ariane understands people enough that she would know that that wouldn't go over well with the show. And okay. that, that's not something that she needs. Like it could almost be. I know we're like not arguing. Yeah, I know. But it's <laughs> no, I'm just like I. I like the idea. I was. Like, I was very. I was very compelled by the ways that they wouldn't get along. Like, ve- like actually very. Because like I. I like I'm. Ooh, Matt. You know, just like you were. You were so close. Actually, like I was just like that is an argument that spoke to me. Um, you almost had me on the rib. Um, nice. <sighs> 
All right, we are on to round two. Let's just uh, give a point total for our audio listeners. I am at two, which is incredible. Uh, Alex is at two. Somehow Matt is at one. Insane. Uh, Grace is at two and Shannon is at three. All right, so I'm judging again. Matt and Alex are shipping and Grace and Shannon are ripping. And your characters are Spook. And I guarantee you're not going to guess who the the second character is. It's Cultivation. Hmm. Okay. This kind of helps because digest this. Yeah, I yeah. don't really like spook, so this is just fine. <laughs> I'm on rip. The the randomness came in my came in my favor. Yeah. Sometimes though, you have to like a character to be like, no, I don't like that ship for them. Maybe you know though, what? Right? That's true. That's you know? true. Mm-hmm. I just think I would feel worse about it if I was on That's the ship true. team. Yeah. Yeah. It's just if it's like any ship on a character you like that kind of work so it's like oh no this is impossible now yeah yeah i feel like i've been on the opposite team i've wanted to be on the whole time (laughs) no we still have four more after this yeah yeah i was behind uh milan and charlie though so yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. that's the one i got behind Okay, I think I might have something. All right. The ship goes first, right? Ship goes sure, first? Sure. Okay, take it away. So, I think fundamentally, Spook has one of the biggest growth as a character arcs throughout his throughout his series i already know where you're going with this thank you i you can you can follow me there uh you know he goes from this like very shy can barely speak because all he knows is street slang little street urchin guy to like being the lord mistborn establishing a new civilization and having just so many kids you know the, the guy got around apparently and i think cultivation is someone who is particularly interested in seeing people become what they're meant to be and see them reaching their potential in a way that is done in a way that is supposed to sort of feel natural and you know you're not you're not dragging someone to where they they need to be you're not forcing them to be better you're helping them find their own potential and so i think she would be really compelled by someone like spook who has some struggles along his way to figure out who he wants to be um but eventually does sort of reach a place where he is a little bit more stable and successful and kind of comes into his own in that way um so i think she would find him very interesting and would want to help him along that journey and i also think cultivation on the on the spook side cultivation is a little bit of the like let's play the mastermind games let's play the long strategy and i think given spook's dynamic with kelsier later in life Spook's going to be a little more interested in somebody who has a plan and is figuring stuff out and telling where to go and, you know, somebody who else who's sort of able to call the big picture shots that he can kind of 
doesn't have to worry about some of that. He can he can sort of assist and be along for supporting their vision in a way that I think they would they would mesh really well together, actually, these two. So for me, all I could think during that was just Spook's growth was not in character. It was just circumstances. He did not. Ultimately, it's like, oh, learn to speak a lang- another language. Sure, he got better at speaking a language. That's not really what we've seen cultivation do. Go to the core of a character and really rip in there and make him different. And I'm not saying cultivation has to be responsible for this in him, but in terms of like, how does Spook really, the way Spook grows does not really exemplify what cultivation has been shown to do with people. You know, it's the, what growth is can mean so many different things, but the style, the, the values in, in which cultivation does this, is not really has anything to do with how spoke as boot grew up and that's all he really did was he went from a child to an adult he didn't really grow yeah and so i'm gonna sort of build on that i think that can be seen with like the way that spook gets his misborn powers probably just kind of gives them to him whereas with cultivation like when she gives people powers, you know, it's a give and take. It's, you know, a boon and curse. I do think she's going to respect the fact that Spook just woke up one day more powerful without having to put in the work and have, like, a challenge to overcome to get there. I don't think so. Yeah, I think this is, like, the perfect... This is the most perfect way that Stormlight and Mistborn's philosophies clash. And they clash in just such a way where they they do not they do not mix. It's not even it's not this isn't like a, a a magic system who wins in a fight. This is a they are based on two totally different things. These are not compatible. Um, when you get down to it, I I I would tend to disagree because I like I think cultivation would see spook like you know the acorn that starts to grow after the fire clears away what was before um and we've got that nice metaphor tying in with spook being the survivor of the flames in book three of mistborn um because i do think he like in book three he has this arc of thinking this is what i'm supposed to be and this is what i'm supposed to grow to go grow towards like he has a plan in mind he's kind of making himself like a second kelsier or a second what he thinks kelsier would be um and then at the end comes to the realization no like i can do my own thing and i can be different and go my own way and that's when he gets his his powers after um there's been some i think you know sacrifice and hardship on his his part right he obviously at the end he gives up pewter right in order to do what he needs to do he also uh burns uh tin so much that he leaves himself completely numb and so while he is healed of that later he was willing to push himself to that point and he had a willingness to give that up Similar, right, Dalinar gets his memories back eventually when he's ready for them, just because you've given something up. 
just because you rather you get something back doesn't mean that giving it up was meaningless. Um, and so I think spook in some ways does fit cultivation's pattern. And I also think cultivation is about innovating and mixing things up. So just because something is a little different um, than what she's done in other scenarios doesn't mean it's uncharacteristic. In Spook's case, he starts as, you know, an urchin who was abandoned um, and ends up a Lord Mistborn. And I think she would see that juxtaposition very interesting. And as a ally or tool she could use in her uh, machinations. From Spook's perspective, I think he's always wanted to be part of the bigger picture he wants to be kind of a hero he's sick of being the sidekick the guy who's unfortunately sleeping um in the tent next to the main couple on their wedding night um he he wants his own own story and so i think cultivation could be his his vehicle towards that as well so see what those those words you used ally or tool or like part of exactly why they wouldn't work. Cultivation is this powerful cosmere being who has been around like since the shattering. She we know like she is a dragon. Is she even going to be interested in like Spook, this, you know, kid from Mistborn Era One who kind of happened to be there when these like big events went down, but you know, I think the you know we the people we see cultivation interested in at like romantically or someone like honor like i think the better comparison for like if we do want to make a comparison for spook it would be someone more like lift who i think she views as like you know more of her child and i think that sort of disconnect there um in terms of I think Spook is someone that she could maybe take a sort of maternal role towards under some circumstances if they met. Like, you know, you're young and I want to help you grow into the best version you can be. But that doesn't necessarily mean she'd be interested in him for a relationship. And I'm not sure exactly what Spook, Spook brings to the table there. And all I can think, Era 2 ultimately what we find out after the fact after after era one book three is that still spook just goes back to being like the hands of kelsier as soon as he's asked boom not as it doesn't feel like he's really his own man anymore and it just like felt like such a step backwards i really don't think ultimately spook was able to actually achieve being his own man kind of thing his own ideal his own thing i just like it just like a ultimately what i think of spook and where he ultimately ended up is still just copy of kelsier second kelsier and even though it kind of goes against what in book three i think these this era two moment really shows us how how things ended and what he turned out to be for real i just don't think he grows okay listen <laughs> i have all right one last thing yeah I'll go quick. Okay. So one, I think the appeal of Spook to cultivation is that he is 
the weed in the sidewalk crack, you know, the who grew and succeeded sort of despite the odds, despite coming from the sort of really terrible situation, found a way to hold on the the rock bud in the lee of the storm sort of a thing that that found his his niche and held on and and managed to get to a place where he was eventually successful throughout a lot of difficulty. And I think also a really important and compelling point for cultivation is that Spook is leading a group of people from an era of like wasteland desolation, nothing is growing into a new era of abundance and greenery and fecundity in their uh, sort of world. And he's now sort of helping these people transition from this era that we have nothing to an era where we have so much and my final final point (laughs) is that cultivation is a goddess of life and new life and abundance and perhaps fertility i wondered if anyone was gonna bring this up I have to. I have to bring it up. Um, Spook clearly is a person also interested in abundance and fertility and bringing lots of new life into the world. I think they would have many, many, many children together and they would both be very happy about this. Thank you. Any final thoughts? I'm ready to call it. (laughs) Is my final thought. Uh, I gotta admit, as soon as Alex opened, I'm like, oh, I instantly see it. And it's like, oh, growth. Yeah, I've been bringing like character growth and bringing the civilization back and boning. I went through that entire thing in like five seconds. The ship has it. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, that's 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 wow. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're surprised, Matt. Genuinely. I do I genuinely think, we think have that, that cultivation would view Spook more as like the way she views Lyft and not as like a romantic partner. Look, you know, uh, once you live a hundred years, maybe you have a different experience on that. But I Listen, that that argument would have gotten me grace. So I think there are just so many people who are willing to have babies. I'm just like he's the Elon hmm. Musk of era too. Okay, he, he likes <laughs> Oh, also, 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 you guys didn't say this, but you you should have said. Well, we all know Spook is Dalinar and Cultivation likes Dalinar. What? Oh God! Oh, did you not, guys not watch the fake? fake yeah, the fake Wob episode. <laughs> the episode. Yeah. Oh man! All right, Alex, you are judging. So our team's shipping is Shannon Eric and ripping is Matt Grace. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. So this one, we have uh, Galadon. Okay. Oh, boy. That took me a second (laughs) to remember who Galadon is. (laughs) Okay. And Frost. (laughs) Do we know anything about Frost? I do. We do have we a first-person letter from his I, perspective. It, I'm I'm actually ready to go instantly. Are you? Uh, I, I am. I am ready to go, Shannon. Okay, let me just quickly look up Galadon okay, and Frost. Sure, uh, sure, and, sure. I mean, I think gonna... in my opening, I'm going to explain things. Okay. 
Yeah, I'd say Eric start going for right, it. And... So, Galadon from Elantris is a member of the 17th Shard. And Frost is also a member of the 17th Shard, if not the creator. It's a little unclear. Um, oh, I'm learning things about lore. And <laughs> <laughs> that's for fun episode. We're, we're doing a recap now. <laughs> it's not ship. We're recapping. Um, <laughs> I've forgotten who these characters are. So we know that they are aligned in goals, right? And, and for all we know, they are canonically together right now. <laughs> that That's... A hundred percent possible. Okay. First of all, I need to point that out. Um, now, Galadon already is very familiar with immortality. And Frost is a dragon. He's lived for millennia. And Galadon definitely understands that. Uh, he understands immortality in ways that so few could. And I think it, from, from Frost's letter to Hoyd, he, Frost seems a little, you know, he, he's got to stick up his butt. Like, he, he's not the most fun, <laughs> right? And I think really Galadon brings that easy going energy that Frost would really need to, to balance, balance him out. Uh, to it, he, Like, Galadon's just a fun guy, right? And he... How many immortals are just like, yo, I'm a chill dude who I can just like grab a beer with. And I think Frost would be super down with that to just hang with Galadon and that's their meet cute. And then they are together in the 17th shard. And yeah, that's, that's it actually is a character interaction that I'm personally very fond of. First of all, I, I, I do prefer a ship where it's like I can kind of see how they met. And this one, it's sort of like, oh, they're both part of the 17th Shard. They probably have met. Yeah, they have like, met. Actually. Yeah. So to start, but I really do like the the pairing of someone who's like a little bit cold, withdrawn and even sharp with someone who's like very like warm and refuses to let it get to them this is one of my this, this is one of my favorite dynamics <laughs> and sort of like mind. <laughs> i like i like the dynamic of frost being like i have to uh you know he's doing his own thing and then galadon's just there like constantly throwing a wrench in his like emotional like um like fortress he's out there like ruining the mood almost of like he's trying to be ultra serious i i i like that they're on the same team like from the start we know that they have at least like some shared values no matter what they've decided to align and work and so i can definitely see this as like a long term um Gal Galadon is just in there like coming back from his missions in and out and just being like hey how are things and like Frost is like oh this guy but then it like slowly becomes like a, I miss him when he's not here and it's sort of like oh this would have been a if if Galadon was here he would have said something like that really undercut my my very serious thing I just like this is my perfect uh type of I like the one very serious and one teasing a little like I I, I can see that Galadon is always teasing he's always warm and he's like here's a fun nickname for you frost he's, and frost yeah. would be like i hate this but then he would miss it's it like, when it's not there it. yeah yeah uh, matt um, i'm feeling like i know what you're about to say so uh please please see if you are thinking the same thing that i am 
So I need to voice some objection to some <laughs> flawed citation, I believe, is underlying the argument of my opponents. Um, first, Galadon's nickname is Grump. He is a pessimistic um, man, uh, not a fun trickster. That's his friend Rayadin, who's the positive one. Positive, uh, this is not yes. a yin and yang situation with Frost and Galadon. This is a yin and yang, or yang and yang. I forget which is which, but anyway, it's... Uh, that whole dynamic they just made up is entirely <laughs> made up and not consistent. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't say. I didn't say positive. Yeah, I didn't. Absolutely not. I would not characterize him as a jokester who's going to get Frost to have a little fun either. <laughs> um, I remember Elantris very differently. Is that it? Because like that was no. Not I'm going to because okay, I was like, that's okay. not the vibe. All we can disagree on vibes later, but Galvan had yeah. a vibe. He might have said negative things. He was he had a fun vibe. He was very sarcastic. Yep. Um I'll also say oh, and you, I might people. be wrong on this. This is something I'm fact checking. I believe it's Frost has friends at the 17th Shard. Is it ever confirmed he's part of the organization? Mm. Is that a WAP that has come out? Oh, let me see. Didn't expect us to get into the wobs on Time for a WAB episode. All right. But, um, so anyway, th those are just two little points of clarification. Mm. But to go from here, uh, I'm going to say... So Frost is non-interventionist mm -hmm. um, and is basically all about we won't interfere, the shards will do what they will do and it will work out how it's going to happen. Uh, don't get involved. Hoyd, you're meddling too much. And this would just play into Galadon's um, initial plot arc where he's just kind of like, I can't change anything. I'm just you know, going to die eventually because the Shayad took me and I'll just go mad from the pain and that's all there is. And what's fun about Galadon's character is his dynamic dynamic with Rayadin, who's a force of light, who is an interventionist, who is looking, okay, what can we do? And over the course of Elantris, Galadon's kind of spirit returns to him, kind of, or he he gets uplifted by Raiden's attitude. And so I think Frost's attitude of non-intervention would just play into Galadon's worst impulses and not in a sexy way, just in a boring way where it's like, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to observe things and be pessimistic and fa like just fatalists. And I think Galadon in his work in the 17th Shard is perhaps becoming a little more... Um, active because he's actively doing things so yeah and I, I just don't think it works i just want to build off of that you know we know frost does not like interfering with things that bear the touch of adenalsium and galadon as an elatrian has like a shard's power imbued in him i like just on the level of like frost would not want to like be with Galadon 
because of the non-interference because like it's like the like the thing with like star trek where it's like oh you're not supposed to interfere with planets and then captain kirk goes around and like seduces aliens on everyone but like frost is actually going to stick with the with the morals of like no i can't interfere and like being with this person who bears the touch of a shard bears the touch of Eden Dalsium's great design plan for the Cosmere within his soul through his abilities as an Elantrian is someone I can't be with. Okay. I have so many responses. I, I, I want to <laughs> go, I want to just talk about some wobs just to, I, I've been researching. Yeah. Okay, uh, sorry cool. if I haven't been paying attention okay. uh, as much. Yeah. But, so they both have non intervention policies. Okay, so we don't explicitly have that uh, Frost is the 17 Shards uh, leader, surprisingly. Uh, however, I would say that the beliefs and objectives of the 17 Shard really match uh, what Frost was saying in that the, the Shards were split up for a reason uh, and that uh, non-interventionist policy. Um, yeah, and they're it's trying like, to track down Hoyt. Like it, at least they are friendly. At least, yeah. Okay. We have on the copper mind that, that Frost is at least associated. They, uh, yeah. I, uh, I do not see that it is even canon that Frost would refuse to work with invested people, uh, yeah, or even insane. like, or he would. He absolutely does. Dragons probably. I don't know. They they seem pretty invested themselves as a complete non-wob person. And listen, um, no matter what, like uh, Galadon would like was saying, like he sarcastic. He was always the bummer, but he is a he is the comedic character in Elantris. Um, Raiden might have been like the the positive, gripping on with like his fingernails, like to positivity. But Galadon was actually the comedic relief. So even though he was like theoretically uh, the bummer, like the one cutting down ideas, he he was actually doing it in a very funny, lighthearted way. Like that's how he got through it. And to say that like he wouldn't be, he wouldn't get through like with any positivity whatsoever, like because he was like that in Elantris, ignores the fact that he had an arc in Elantris and he ends Elantris and goes on to the rest of the Cosmere for a very full life, having like actually started to believe in Rayadin. Like that's his whole thing. We can't go backwards in time and say like, oh, at the start of Elantris, when Galadon was in misery, he didn't he didn't think this was possible, but he was proven wrong. He had an arc and we're not going to go backwards in time and say, well, he would still think that way. He doesn't. Rayadin proved him wrong. And now he's out in the Cosmere with a changed mind, a changed heart. And he's still going to be the comedic relief and be a little funny and sarcastic and cutting. And I think that like that's actually the perfect mix that would go with a serious, sarcastic guy like Frost. Um, so, like serious, sarcastic, funny, sarcastic in a way that's like creates just enough friction to be interesting, but not enough for them to actually dislike or hate each other. I think they would actually like, you know, or really click. I, I don't know, not not to undercut my uh, teammate. I don't know if I'd say Frost is sarcastic necessarily. However, it says so on the cover mind page. Oh, really? OK. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, but <laughs> but regardless, but so, great. Perfect. They so they have <laughs> their core tenants and beliefs and perspectives are similar. Like you don't. 
you can have some like uh meets like and that work out really well and i think that would be this case and they they have those similar philosophies their tone is different and so that it gives them that uh uh that bit of dynamicism right uh that really makes it work i've really talked myself into this ship so i'm <laughs> Well, I'm just going to say, like, I think. So the Coppermind page to cite a secondary source says that. Frost is sarcastic and insulting towards Hoyd. So you're generalizing a bit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. But they have a history and we know he's capable of it. And that's all we have to go on. I'm not going to make up stuff based on, oh, he could be super nice and not sarcastic. No. But what <laughs> I'm saying the is. thing we got. The thing you're saying he has in common with Galadon is with someone he kind of explicitly does not like. Um, and so if you're expecting him to bond with Galadon over sarcasm, you're also expecting him to not like Galadon? Only if it's aimed at Galadon. It doesn't have to be. This is like the same kind of instinct in that when they have like the right circumstances, this is how they react. When you see someone you know that you don't like you go that place it's like it seems speaks to me that they kind of like think the same way they like they have like the initial root the same response it's not that they have to be sarcastic towards each other but it's the kind of way of thinking of like this is how we deal with things this is how we deal with other people etc okay all right <laughs> small thoughts and then i'm gonna cut off cut us off anybody last are we we good to leave it there okay <laughs> Okay, okay. Let's go into the um, lob some more, Alex. <laughs> yeah, for one thing, with so many lobs and copper mine citations for this shiver river round on me of all people, the judge. Okay. I'm sorry, it was relevant. Listen, I don't like it either, but I had to find out about these characters. <laughs> so, people who know me know that I don't really care about Elantris very much. Um... But, wow, I just feel like this back and forth just really had everything. Like, there were some great arguments. There were some arguments I thought were really bad. I thought Matt and Shannon doing the counter arguments was very good. I very much enjoy you guys going back and forth. That's quality content uh, right there. Yeah. I have to, I have to decide. You on, have to decide. Am I awarding the win to like do i ship it or not at the end of this or do i award the win to who do i think had the better arguments i think it's I the think... former not uh, not necessarily mm. the latter i i don't think I... we rate it solely off the arguments right like that's not the primary consideration maybe I others are different judge, i'm going to disagree with you and i'm going to give it to the rip team wow. because i think Brutal. their arguments were better Brutal. they weren't i think i think they weren't better they weren't it was a bad argument you can't ignore the text you can't ignore the text exactly you can't ignore the text i was correct in the text 
I, while you guys were doing your opening arguments, I was having the same thoughts that Matt was of like, isn't he called Grump actually? And he's like, really? Like, I remembered him as the very sort of dour, sort of pessimist character. And I think you guys made very good arguments later, but. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, he's not this dour. Is hard. I think Matt, you won that for us. If anything, I think I detracted from us in that round. <laughs> they were I, good I, arguments. Why are you saying he had the better ones? He had I, the most insane book of knowing ones. Some Elantris you know bias. they're not good arguments, Shannon. You're going off the Coppermind article <laughs> because I still remember what I thought of Galadon when I read the book. Just like if he makes it all the way to Roshar and somebody who has just met him is still being like, all right, that guy's the grump. I think he's still got the energy, you know? Anyway. This is my. I almost want to reread Elantris and get my uh, re reactions of. Because if you don't remember Elantris, then you can't just say, oh, he's the grump. I think what happened here is I came (laughs) out of this thinking I want. I do a little bit want to ship this, but not in a way that you guys argued for. Okay. Well, is, is part of what I'm coming at it. Well, I like the, the idea of them being like Benchy coworkers about how much Hoyd sucks. But the, the <laughs> point totals are extremely interesting with me at two and everyone else at three. So that's pretty spicy. Oh, so we got a spicy end uh, here. Uh, <gasps> Matt, you are the next judge. All right. Okay. And so my judging. Oh boy. Oh my god, guys. We are, oh oh and uh Alex and Shannon are shipping. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because I looked at the character <laughs> and the ripping okay. is Eric Grace. And our characters are Yasna and the Sorceress from Tress. <laughs> I'm glad we're getting some new characters. I'm a little sad we haven't gotten uh Gertrude or Dumad, but you know, I'm glad we're getting some new new ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Shannon, do you have good opening thoughts? I am still pissed, so I'm gonna <laughs> let you take the opening. <laughs> oh no! I betrayed you, and now we have to be teammates <laughs> for Destiny. two rounds in a row. <laughs> oh no! Okay. Oh All no! Right. Okay. That's such a shame for the ship team, right, Grace? We're gonna be fine. Gray and I love each other. We're besties. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, I'm mad at everyone. It's not just you. Don't worry. <laughs> I tried, Shannon. I, I, I did no, my best, great. which Thank wasn't you. very good. But I'm not mad at you. You're okay. fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> Perfect. I'm going to lay out a vision for this ship. <laughs> and it's that I think we have two characters who have a remarkable number of similarities, actually, as like very powerful women who do not necessarily really care about playing by other people's rules and are going to do their own thing and set out their sort of vision for the space around them in a way that's very competent and very intelligent. And I think you could make the ship argument there of like, oh, they'd respect each other as like, they, they, they understand, you know, fellow player of the game 
lots of lots of respect but honestly i want to see a ship between these two where they're like at odds with each other because i think they would be fascinating sort of chess opponents in some kind of political game across the cosmere i think they are both have like a little bit of like nasty ruthlessness to them that they would go after each other in a really interesting way and yeah perhaps that's a bit of an unorthodox approach but i like a little bit more of the like rivals sort of a ship for these two grudging respect as they one up each other and actually underneath all of it there's a rising attraction as well until you know maybe maybe something happens in a very dramatic moment that's that's my take on yasna and the sorceress but the thing about the sorceress is that she enjoys cruelty. You know, like, when she, Charlie, came to her island, she didn't kill him. She transformed him into a rat. And the, the condition to take away that transformation? Bring the person you love to me to get cursed in your stead. That is, like, a very cruel, vindictive thing to do for someone whose only crime was basically, like, coming to your eye like trespassing when you don't want them to basically whereas yasna i think a lot of what we see in her arc especially at the end of oathbringer is she's deeply compassionate you know she portrays herself as this very like pragmatic ruthless person but when it came down to it and she thought like i kill renarin to save the world like, she loved him enough that she could not do him. And I think that they are fundamentally incompatible for that reason. There's just something in the sorceress, that, like, cruel streak that I think Yasna would be absolutely repulsed by and disgusted with if she ever saw it. 100% agree. Yasna would not go for this even if like there could be some intellectual like cat and mouse thing like i can sort of see that but like it would it would it would never work just because yasna can be brutal she can be right uh with like uh god not rashon the high prince in rhythm of war you know who i'm talking about uh yes it is Rashawn. I think or, Ruth, uh, Ruth the R. Ruth R. Ruth R. Ruth R. There you go. Rashawn's the own one. Yeah. She uses that to make points, right? Like there's a point and a, an mm-hmm. objective to it. She is not wantonly cruel. She does not go. I do not think she would go to another planet to just that's backwards and just be like, yeah, I'm just going to use my magical powers and just lord over people. That's literally what the sorceress is doing. She is, uh, the sorceress is a mean, vindictive, horrible person that Yasna could never love. Uh, I don't even think it could work as a villain ship. Like, I think they would just never get along and Yasna would be like, yeah, you, I need to kill you somehow. Let's let's get out my shard blade and let's see if it kills the laundry and let's go. Like, I think that's how it'd go. All that was coming to mind, and I hope I can say this, is hate sex. It's just, you don't need, to, you don't need love. 
You really don't. Um, sometimes attraction and a ball of hate is all that's between two people and you're two powerful people with opposites, opposite values. Their morals are on complete opposite ends. And this is not a, not necessarily a thing of like, oh, Yasna doesn't need to have the instinct or drive to do the same things as the sorceress. She needs to see herself as someone capable of taking on the sorceress. And that's how it starts. Oh, the sorceress is beginning, uh, is, has done this horrible thing, is doing this horrible thing, I'm someone who can stop her. And that's how it starts. She goes after the sorceress, the sorceress uh, moves back, and all of a sudden, now they're in a game. A hero in villainship does not need both people to have the same level of affection sure. you know it's sure. it's this this stuff really works even if one person like the the hero hates the villain and the villain is very intrigued this this is classic tale as old as time uh that's that's really all you need this is not they're gonna fall in love and be a super great match they're a terrible match and that's why I now, have th their horns locked together across like, you know, in battle across the Cosmere and occasionally sleeping together is exactly all the, like what this comes down to. They they could be it. I have multiple problems with this. OK, first off. I don't think the sorceress would want to be in that position because we see like the second there's even a chance that Hoi could beat her. She runs. She does not want to be in a position where someone more powerful than her, even ha or like even on an equal footing with her, even has the option of taking her out. So I think, like you talk about hate sex, she wouldn't want to be even that vulnerable with Yazza. On the other hand, like Yazza is ace. She has sex with Hoyd because she respects him and she thinks that it's like going to like keep him there and like she thinks that's what she should do she doesn't enjoy it for its own sake and she's not going to have sex with someone she dislikes i also uh just want to say that i don't think the argument of they are not aligned therefore villain sex like i think there's a missing story piece like you're like yes that can occur but i don't think logically that like you, you didn't put a through line there that's like yeah that can work i just don't see why it would work in this specific case I'm just saying. Allow me to fill in the <laughs> right, cool. I think Good Shannon luck. and I are totally on the same page All here right. with this. This uh, is how we think we love hero villainships. No, I the more I think about this, the more I like legitimately am really into this, like as a villainship. Um because I think there's so much of Yasna is the sort of like rigid idealist. She is a knight radiant who has oath. She's very pragmatic, but she holds herself to these very stiff, high standards. And yet, despite this, I think we do see she is, a, she has an interest in someone who's a little bit more like sharp-witted, jokey, kind of teasing a little bit in, in the way that she's with Hoyt, even though she herself really isn't that way at all. And I think... If Yasna had to go up against someone who was a little bit more like, I'm just going to be cruel in a way that amuses me because, you know, whatever. And had that sort of villain who was very unrepentant and sort of enjoyed being a mean person, I think the sorceress would enjoy like getting under Yasna's skin in that way. Like, 
like, oh, the don't you ever have fun, princess sort of a thing. Maybe you ought to try it sometime. That sort of like back and forth dynamic of like Yasna's here wanting to take this lady down because she's a problem because she's lording over these, you know, the the lesser peoples of her world. And the sorceress is a I think the sorceress is the sort of person who like would prefer if someone as powerful as Yasna Colon was not coming after her. But as long as she has to deal with this, she's at least going to make it difficult for Yasna and try to amuse herself in the meantime as they try to get the better of each other. My thing is like in terms of like the sorceress running away when there's someone, you know, powerful that she doesn't really want to deal with. You know, that's the whole thing with a cat and mouse game. Like the the hunter shifts, like whoever like is most powerful, the positions change. Uh, Yasna occasionally becoming the hunter and chasing her down. The sorceress might not have the ability to run away, back her into a corner and all of a sudden she has to fight. It's an equal thing. This is not necessarily a thing about the sorceress is always going to like flee and try to get get away from this. The sorceress has this cruel streak and that's what she likes about the cruel thing is the game of it if uh if yasna is such an equal partner she would be able to keep her on the board so to speak and that's interesting but is it even an equal thing because the sorceress for all her cruelty for all the games she plays with the people of lubar like quite explicitly says oh you are too stupid to like see through the fact that i was using you like yasna is a very smart woman I think that she would be able to outmaneuver the sorceress because like the sorceress thrives on being more advanced than the people around her, but that doesn't mean she's actually always the smartest or the most clever person in the same way that Yasna is. I think in reality, Yasna would like run circles around her. And if like if the sorceress caught her attention, would deal with her very quickly in a way that would not foster this relationship. That's like my whole thing is that Hoyt had a very specific purpose. He wasn't just going at her for the sake of going at her, which is very different from how we've been describing the the Yasna sorceress thing. The sorceress got into this whole game with Hoyd because Hoyd wanted something very specific with her and needed to pin her into a very specific corner, which is not necessarily the way it would always need to go. Uh, I do think Yasna is smarter than the sorceress, but I also think the sorceress went back into a corner and realizing she can't do her whole lording over it thing might have some hidden depths might have to draw on some cleverness she's never had to depend on in a while and that's the interesting part is like the fact that the villain is not always the most powerful one the fact that she would have to uh struggle and maybe uh have her own little training arc herself in order to keep up that's the whole one person is in control and then it switches to the next person and the next person it's always it's always a bounce back I think I'm ready to decide unless anyone has some right. quick final thoughts. All right. You guys, when Eric said these characters, I immediately shipped it. It was very fun. <laughs> but Grace convinced me. I have to go with the. I'm so sorry, Shannon, for making you Hell more yeah. mad at me. <laughs> Hell um, yeah. Your arguments were good, but Hell yeah. So uh I feel like Grace those is... were like some of my strongest arguments this episode, <laughs> honestly. Like as I was like, I feel very good about it. I just this. need to I yeah, feel like yeah. Grace's um yeah. 
understanding of characterization and trust of the Emerald Sea is really shining mm-hmm. here. Like, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you've thought a lot about these characters. It, there was just some things there that I couldn't quite get over. And then I was like, ah, I'm not sure I ship this anymore. But uh, I really wanted to. Because <laughs> I, I love villain ships and the dynamics you were talking about. I was so here for, but I was just like, but not sure if it works with these two specific characters. I don't think it works in these two specific characters. Yeah. I talked myself into it. So it is yeah. amusing how you can talk yourself as like, no, now I actually really feel like this is yeah, trash or I, amazing. I know, it's like, I, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, that's fun. But I was, yeah. and now at the end of it, like, no, these two characters would be terrible together. And Yasmin would just like ruthlessly assassinate this yeah, person exactly. if she ever that's, became. Yeah. I'm like, well, no, like, Hoyt actually <laughs> had to struggle. Like, he, he, she did, he didn't like just totally skunk her. No. Yeah, it's like yeah. she's clever. Could be like she's, she's actually clever. She's actually clever. I, I think the big one, like the difference between being kind of brutal and being cruel, was one of the things <laughs> that I found very, very compelling. And just thinking, like that, Yasna, like wouldn't mess around with that. Like that, there's as someone who kind of sets lines for herself that messing around with something that kind of vindictive and petty mm. that, that's kind of where grace swayed me i, but I, I definitely there, see oh, the counter argument i think there is a good comparison to be made between the sorceress and amaram and like yasna mm-hmm. is like hates amaram and would never like have I a think what's going on with amaram is specifically very gendered and i don't agree okay let's let's move on to the next one okay. uh, <laughs> Grace, you are in the lead for points with our only Ooh, one at whoa. four. Everyone else is at three. The only problem what? is that you're judging next. Yes. So that that's that not is... gonna be true for much longer. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're yeah. Uh so we're getting in there. And so so our ship team is Shandon Alex, and our rip team is Matt Eric. We are going to have Raboniel. So that that's going to be a dangerous uh, thing for Shannon Alex there uh, with Raboniel. Dangerous for the Rip team is what I'm saying. And uh, Raboniel uh, is very shippable. Let me just say, shippable. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but mm-hmm. Raboniel and Teft. Let's go. So, um, the defense has perhaps, uh, or the. The the opposing side has maybe called us out a little bit over taking a while to come up with an opening argument. Yeah, you've literally planned and PM'd things. We don't do that. Um, there's other ones. And part of the reason is because there are so many different ways that you can shift from Hell and Deft, actually. <laughs> um, and I think there's some really interesting ones. There's ones that I will not get into um, because, you know, for reasons. But... <laughs> So I think like the straightforward one, you have to give it to the sort of villain ship. You could bring in the dynamic of like, hey, what if Kaladin wasn't the one who was awake? What if it was Teft? What if they're the ones who are sort of facing off throughout this, um, throughout this, you know, the occupation in Rhythm of War? Like, I think when you do have two characters in Ship It or Rip It who do actually share book space with each other, putting them into the context can be really fun. 
um, and and using some of that. Um, like I think Teft just has this stubborn streak in a way that's really different from. Kaladin's also a very determined and stubborn person, but Teft just like, he won't give any sort of a ground. He does not concede. And I think he would really like have an interesting dynamic with Raboniel as the person who is occupying his city. And the if they had those interactions going up against each other, like I think they would have really interesting clashes of uh, the Windrunner trying to defend the people versus you know, the mad scientist occupation leader who's like, actually, I'm going to be, you know, using all of these unconscious radiance for my nefarious ends, Windrunner. Come at me if you really want to protect them. And Teft having to be a little smart of like, Raboniel understands how radiance work, how a Windrunner thinks. And he can't just lean into his like initial instincts. I think it would force Teft to be clever in a way that I think Teft is not necessarily super well suited to, but would be really interesting if he had to go that direction. Opposition um, sitting dead silently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was jotting something down. Um, that's oh, it. Oh, okay. You guys didn't have oh. anything else? <laughs> oh, oh, wow. No, uh, this is actually right. a fallacy because sometimes the opening person only goes once and then the opposition yeah, yeah, yeah. goes. None of this meta so yeah, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think the dig was that they felt my argument was not substantive enough. Was what maybe Matt was getting at? Is that the is that the card you're getting at? Yeah, to for play? Sure. Or is it, or is just... it dead silence and not having anything to respond to? All right, what so, you got? What you got? I just think so. First things first. I think any ship with Raboniel and a man is homophobic. I'm just gonna. <laughs> put that out there to start um <laughs> secondly yeah, that card on us we're fighting dirty dirty in this uh, this already okay all right yeah, yeah i see yeah. i see what you brought to the table <laughs> um second secondly so raboniel what we see i think comes to respect Navani in the books because of you know shared interests and their intellectual compatibility um and i think well like teft isn't a dummy i think he's a very like insightful person but i don't think he would meet raboniel at the level she would be looking for someone to meet her at also raboniel is very dismissive of mortal life both human and singer and heft is very um careless or dismissive dismissive initially with his own life but actually very much cares about other people so i think there's a value difference there where there's not a lot of common ground because we talk a lot about like villainships and how it can be fun to be these opposing forces but i think the thing about those is you do need some ground for the attraction or the chemistry to blossom in. And I think what these two have is some very differing opposing viewpoints and not a lot of ground for that opposition to be turned into tension and into chemistry. So I don't really see any chemistry between these two characters. 
I don't really see a lot that they would have in common, to be honest. And I don't think Teft overcomes um, Raboniel's kind of outer shell the way Navani would. And from Teft's perspective, I think he's just Raboniel's the next in a long line of um overlords or rulers who's you know dominating Eurythru. And his arc is kind of a dark eyes is more about you know making his own way and coming out from under that. And so I I just don't think that ship makes sense for either character. That was a very <laughs> thorough analysis, Matt. Uh honestly. Yeah. Well, first of all, the argument that Raboniel can't be shipped with a man when she canonically has yeah. a child is biphobic. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair. That's a fair point. We're all having fun here, uh, just to be clear. <laughs> yeah. In terms of mutual respect, we definitely know what she does respect. Raboniel definitely respects Navani's mind, but she also does respect uh the resistance she'll crush the resistance but she does like she she doesn't like she's not full of like disgust she's like okay good attempt good try i i i do think this is an angle that can work she will and she does respect life her ultimate goal she has some minor goals she wants to be the one to win but her ultimate goal is that she wants the war to stop she wants she wants lives to stop being wasted uh so in terms of like her values uh, they aren't as mad scientisty or as cruel or as villainous as described by the opposition. Uh, she actually does have some basic uh, like connection that the humans would understand. And that's the whole point of like the by the end of the Rhythm of War arc, we see the that Raboniel actually does have a, like a sense of virtue. Like she has a goal that we recognize as moral. So in terms of like that, this isn't a, like this doesn't have to be like a pure hero villain ship of like, oh, they could never understand each other. I think they could. And the whole thing with like Tef's journey, his whole thing about like overcoming his addiction and becoming standing strong on his own did happen in like the same occupation. It's just like he wasn't the one uh, Kaladin has to take over, of course. Right. So he has to be the, the hero. But there was an element of Teft having his big hero moment of like. I'm I'm the one who's like discovering myself. I I think it's be, he's being sold a little bit short to say he could never have been the one to stand to stand up to her. And I think like he could have been the one to win some mutual respect from Raboniel in like in his effort to try. I do think he would have lost, but I think there would have been a pretty damn solid effort. Eric, do you want to go? Otherwise yeah, I, I do. Thoughts. I do. I do think Teft could have uh, opposed Raboniel for a while. I just don't think that would have led to the chemistry. I think that's uh, what Matt's core point is. Uh, I do think these two could have some mutual respect if like Teft was in that role of Kaladin in that situation. So I, I think that is fair. I just don't think that would rise to the level of of a villain ship uh, at all. Uh, and uh, and also also, 
I would argue that Raboniel wants the cycle to stop. And I think if she if she was presented with a choice of like kill tons of people to make that happen, she would take that choice. Uh, I I don't know if respect for life is what I would say. I would say indeed, Shannon, she is not as disrespectful of life as she's first introduced in Rhythm of War. Like, that's definitely true. But at the same time, she's like, ah, you know, one in 10 humans, one in 10 singers. I'm totally cool with that. Like, that's yeah, that's totally fine. Uh, I think she would be okay with even higher proportions of uh, death to get what she wants. And I don't think Teft would be okay with that. Just in terms of what she wants is a stop to it. And that's my ultimate point. I think this is a really sort of like, when we take a villain ship route, like a lot of times it can be this sort of like fun clash of different personalities with different objectives. I think the way that I really see like the Raboniel Teft ship is really a tragic one. Um, And I think part of that comes from actually a shared sense of tragedy that the two of them have, particularly around surviving their family members and holding themselves at fault to what have happened to their family members. But there's a difference between the two that I think is fun as well of like Teft feels responsible for his family members having died and is carrying that weight and carrying that hurt. Whereas Raboniel is carrying the weight of she has survived her daughter but her daughter's still alive like it's her daughter's persistent survival that is sort of the awful tragedy that she's feeling responsible for in a way that is sort of difficult to bear and i think there is you know if we lean into that sort of tragic vibe these are both characters who are inevitably killed by the developments that are the the scientific discoveries that happen throughout this book. And I think you can work, you could do a rework of the end of sort of rhythm of war where sort of they are more directly responsible for each other's deaths with these new anti-light daggers of Teft losing Fendorana and subsequently perishing in the same way that that's also the way that Raboniel it's her undoing as well. You know, I think that is what was so compelling about what happened between Raboniel and Navani. And yet Teft also had that. They just, it just wasn't in the same location. Like they, they have these sort of shared narrative arcs that if you put them together in the same scenario, I think there is a lot of compelling dynamic there that could be explored. The thing for me is I just think that pairing someone who has these kind of the self-destructive tendencies that Taft has with an antagonist whose end goal is end it all just kind of gets into some problematic territory for, for Taft's arc because it's kind of like, yeah, no, we're just calling it quits uh, cause the cycle's broken um, and it's never getting better. Whereas Taft's, arc right is about overcoming his previous cycle so and especially if we are agreed that raboniel is going to be the victor in this ideology clash having her come out on top at the end it 
yeah, I, I just don't think it works with the messaging that Half's arc is supposed to set up. I don't think I agree with that phrasing or the concept because both are about stopping a bad cycle. Um, addiction is a cycle, and that's like what his whole thing mm -hmm. was. It's not that it's not you. You can phrase it so like his cycle is like about keep going, like continue going with the circle. But um, his circle is uh, addiction's bad. He needs to stop where he's at. They both want to stop something bad that's happened. And I think like Teft had a victory in Rhythm of War, and we hope that Raboniel will have one too. But I think it's more mirrored. Um, actually I, I think it's more mirrored than not in terms of they both like have this desire to see something bad stopped yeah but Raboniel's way of stopping that is potentially killing everyone oh potentially but like that's she's willing to accept something different like that's that's not her she's not married to that idea I'm gonna call it okay. um I think the pros win this one yeah that was, um, that was some good argumentation, for sure. For sure. Yeah, some yeah. very, very good arguments there. God, that was so hard. Oh, <laughs> man. That was, really, that was a really, really difficult ship to argue that was for. Rough. For sure. Ooh, thank you. Yeah, right. you, guys, you guys did a really good job. Yeah. And, and Shannon mm -hmm. needed to get that. That was Shannon's last chance to get points. It's true. It's true. true. So Shannon is judging. And our character, who do we have here? Oh, ooh, this is this is interesting. We're gonna have Blush Weaver and Alik. And our uh ship is Matt Grace, and our rip is Alex Eric. So uh Blush Weaver Alik, I think, is falls into this kind of classic realm of really really kind of hot flirtatious mixed with awkward and nerdy and it's like a tried and true stereotype uh that is tried and true for a reason and that it's worked in a lot of different media over time blush weaver is really cool in that she subverts some of the stereotypes of that in some ways and like she shows she's very clever she's very politically astute um and Alik, even though he's he's kind of got like we what we were talking about with rushu like he's got almost a little bit of that vibe too where he's like he knows stuff about the stuff he knows about but can be a little oblivious or a little awkward so there would be this fun interplay of Blush Weaver being this very like adept uh, social engineer or navigator of the social space where Alik is kind of more bumbling. But then maybe at first you could have the dynamic of Blush Weaver, kind of like in Tress, how they keep thinking that Tress is a king's mask, even though she's like, no, I'm just being random. You could have Blush Weaver being like, oh, he's a master of social craft because he's this act of him being just kind of off-putting is throwing me off my game. And then when she's off her game, that's where the vulnerability happens. Feelings blossom. I, I just think it's a, it's a pretty easy, fun ship to see. So my thoughts about the ship are that, honestly... I think Blush Weaver would weave 
too many blushes for Alec. I think she's just a little too intimidating for him. You know, Alec is someone that we met during a time in his life when he had been through something really frightening and kind of devastating, this this loss of his crew. It was really overwhelming. And from what we've seen of him since is that he is really looking for like soft, chill, nice domestic vibes where he can stay at home and make cookies and, you know, have this very comfortable thing. Blushweaver is overwhelming. She's great. I love Blushweaver. But she's like a an incredibly intense, gorgeous goddess who's this political power, who's a mover and shaker in her world, who's like this intimidating political mastermind who's playing all of these games. And I I don't think she would necessarily find anything interesting in Alec. And I think he would just be sort of overwhelmed and intimidated and would not find being around her to be something that he enjoyed doing and would want to continue doing. Um, I just... I, do, I I think they would not it would it would be a bad meeting if they were to meet up. It wouldn't go well. Alik is not at Blushweaver's level, right? Like I don't I don't think he doesn't that, want to be. And he doesn't want to be. So I, I don't think Blushweaver has I, I can't see a situation where Blushweaver is going to be into it. Like it's just, it's just not possible. But I think this is like the classic, you know, example of like, she is the go-getter. She is the political figure. She is the one out making moves, making connections. But then he's like the homebody. He's at home baking cookies and supporting her career. And like, I think that is, you know, what Blushweaver needs in a partner. You know, she is capable of, she is, you know, like we said, kind of, maybe she is initially intimidating but once that sort of initial intimidation passes she needs a partner who isn't going to be threatened by like her and what she can do and i think alik is sort of the perfect person to be that sort of supportive boyfriend or husband who can you know take care of things at home while she shines in you know her political life mm-hmm like Alik's already shown that he's very capable at supporting a dynamic, interesting boss woman um, with Marasi. Um, so I would put Marasi and Blushweaver in similar categories. And I think he would fulfill a similar role there, like Grace said. Um, and then from Blushweaver's perspective, I think she finds unconventionality somewhat attractive you can see her kind of fascination with light song um in warbreaker and granted light song and Alik are very different characters but i think the way she finds it light song's failure to uh, adhere to kind of convention or expected the surprise of light song i think the way she appreciates that she could also appreciate the surprise or novelty um, presented by a leak. And yeah, like, and she needs some like, and oh man, it would be such a fun like little 
AU, like if a leak came as like a new acolyte into Blushweaver's priesthood, and then like you know, Blush, he's like very intimidated and kind of like fanboy y over her at first. Like maybe he catches her in a vulnerable moment moment or something and then starts to see her differently. And she grows kind of despite herself to trust him. And it's like, why do I like this rando person around? And but she just finds him very calming. And we know Blushweaver could protect and take care of Alik because she is good at what she does. So I, I, just, I see it. Uh, I'll just say, I think Blushweaver would not be interested in someone who's like fanboying over her. Like, I think that is absolutely not her vibe. Like, I think she likes the game of trying to get Light Song, who's like trying not to be with her and trying to tempt him over. Like, she likes that game. I She would just not have that game at all. Like, and so I, I don't think there... I think she would actively not like that. Like, I think she would l- enjoy the attention, but wouldn't... Because, I mean, she's she's gorgeous. So she, she's clearly, you know, that that's what she's going for. But I don't think that would mean that she is interested in that person. So I think that's a very important distinction there. But, but I just want to say, like, the Southern Skadrians and Alik do kind of revere Alamancers, and he ends up in a relationship with Marasi. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that just because she is sort of viewed as like a goddess, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be immediately fanboying over her. Like, he even... He was raised in a culture that views Alam answers in this very respectful, reverent way, but we don't always see him act that way towards the Alam answers in the story. So I think this idea of, oh, he's going to be immediately fangirling over Blushweaver and she's necessarily going to like that isn't necessarily true. I think Alik is someone who is going to be, once he gets to know her, more attracted to like her mind and like the strength of her as a person. I I think the point about sort of his relationship with Marasi in terms of his sort of cultural reverence for people with power is a very good one because it's also something I was thinking about. Um, but I do think it would end up being less of what I, I think the the dynamic between them would be less like what he has with Marasi and a little bit more like what he sort of has with Wax in terms of the the Alamancy reverence where he kind of can't stop himself from using the titles and when I was like stop just stop calling me by a weird Alamantic like I, this is exhausting and like Wax and Marasi are much closer I think to like normal people even though he's raised in a culture that reveals Alamancers than someone like Blushweaver who is like a goddess upon the earth returned from the dead, sustained by the souls of the penitent each week. Like, I think she's a level above in terms of the way that people revere her and the kind of just sort of being that she is that inspires that kind of reverence that I think it would be really tough for him to get over that sort of cultural, like, oh, no, we duck our head and we say the respectful thing and we like... 
I think he has a lot of that ingrained and I don't think he'd be able to get over it when he's around Blush Weaver. But you, you talk about him saying the respectful thing, but like some of the titles that he uses for wax are like, oh, great impetuous one or like unobservant master. Those aren't necessarily respectful. Those are teasing in a way that I think he has it in him to be teasing in a way that it would be very reciprocal with what sort of Blushweaver does, because Blushweaver is someone who enjoys that teasing. And you could almost run it as like a, a Howl-Sophie dynamic, like from Howl's Moving Castle, like with Blushweaver being this revered, like intimidating figure and Alik kind of being somewhat grounding for her right um and coming in and being like a little more down to earth um and maybe treating her with respect yes but like not the respect of using super flowery language and being super over the top and putting on her on a pedestal but like the cute little oh like i need to make sure she's eaten kind of um care and reverence that might break through some of those barriers. I, I, I am ready, but does anyone want to sneak in a thought? Yeah, I, I, I hear all what you're saying, uh, but I, ju- I just don't see Blushweaver being interested in a leak. Uh, like, I, I, even granting all that and, like, a leak getting over that, like, I don't really see what Blushweaver, like there, there's not enough for Blushweaver to be interested in. Final snuck in thoughts from the ships. You're just wrong. Okay. You're wrong. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I am going to give this one uh, to the rips. Actually, Eric kind of got to it before I could even say it. I was like, those are really, really great points on Alik. Um, but it was sort of like, oh, I'm just not convinced on the blush weaver side. Um, it's sort of like my was sort of like my thing. And it was like that was my main thing I was waiting to to be con- swayed on. And I don't I don't think I was. I think I, I was waiting for like almost a comparison to like Light Song. It was like because she has a thing like like there's a there's a thing where like you can see chemistry there so i was like okay like how how could a leak be capture her interest because i think he would have to be more like because he's unconventional <laughs> I, I, I think you guys really did like really it. well I, you got me matt i i, uh, I thought it was really like sweet. especially with the teasy dynamic i'm like oh no we're losing it so it's like oh, no <laughs> like the, it, it's so hard when the ship has a good point and you're just like i just don't see it like it, it's it's really rough because you feel like you need to yeah, say more worry. because that's this just is not like very every right every every judge we've all judged a little bit differently and mm-hmm. i think i think it's okay like my thing is like i come in with a a little bit of an idea of my own and i'm willing to sway me um mm-hmm. that's uh, and that, me too yeah. i think like it's the one of the things i was thinking about slipping in at the end was comparing but i was like i'm not sure if this works okay was like light song in his not returned form is kind of a like dumpy, like plain, 
like not interesting guy, um, little scribe man. And I was trying to think of a way I could work that in, but mm. Blush Weaver never finds that out about yeah, yeah Light Song. So I'd have to argue that she he was like giving off that energy. Yeah, he's but. a loser in his heart, but it's so she is she <laughs> she could be attracted to yeah. like someone normie. She could be attracted to a normie. Yeah. 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 All mm. right. So our point okay. total in last place is actually matched with three points. Uh Grace this Shannon is deserved. This and, is um Oh, you think so, Matt? Yeah. This is I I ripped Rashendi, so mm. this is karma. All right. All right. Uh, Grace, Shannon, and me are tied for second place at four, which I'm shocked. Uh, and our winner is Alex with five. Hell yeah. Well, Nailed it. I didn't realize I'd made that, that much ground because I was like the last person to get points, wasn't I? You, no, you, I, yeah. I, was, I was fully aware going into the last that it was me or yeah. like whichever yeah. of the two of us won that one mm-hmm. game. I don't, do, I don't do enough math as we're doing this. I need up. I just checked the scores. <laughs> yeah, I just checked the yeah, same, I, same. Knew I, was, I knew I was like ahead. Um, but uh, but we I, had a scoreboard at the top. I didn't see that. Cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a scoreboard. <laughs> yeah um this is why i didn't volunteer yeah i think the judges sided with rip more than they decided with ship this time Ooh, i would have to count that i'm not tracking that currently um that is an interesting point but how do you think you're bad at this eric like yeah eric you did really well yeah, yeah like stressful. you have like just stressful. bring up the it's it's about character character arc what's on the page bring it in that works yeah give me this over a wob episode any day let's do a wob episode uh, look I, uh, I i gotta admit i still think shannon and i were robbed <laughs> the Caledon was robbed. Was I, we're, we're robbed. I, I really was there were very good arguments on both sides and arguments that I really didn't like on both sides. And I just, yep. Yep. I had to make a choice in the end. I'm sorry. It could have gone either Shit. way. Shit. And really. I would have been tied for first. Wouldn't this is actually crazy. why I didn't volunteer for this episode, because I remember how I felt from the last time I lost. <laughs> and not winning is the same as losing. And <laughs> you're you're breaded. You're basically yeah. breaded. <laughs> Have fun with it. And now it's like, God, I let this happen again another two years. So like the memory of this fades, it's not going to. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, it's so much fun, Shannon. Uh, Come on. It's, okay. it's fine if I lose on uh, like Wayne Ruin. Who cares? Uh, when I've bought into when I think my arguments are actually good and I lose. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Alex judged that one, I think, was so like. Like what you were talking about with different judges styles, like when she said, like, I could kind of ship it, but the way I ship it wasn't the way you were arguing it. Like, Mm -hmm. you you know, like you can kind of take from that that I I do think there is an element of like, if you're the judge and you have like, oh, this is what I would argue. And the team that's shipping it doesn't hit that. It can be like kind of detrimental to like. You're like, Which oh, but this speak- was the like in your mind. You're like, oh, but this was the perfect angle, and like you missed the mark. Mm-hmm. But doesn't, and that doesn't speak to like the quality of the argument necessarily. But it does speak yeah. to like, and I you know why a good argument can fail to convince a yeah. judge. I'm I'm a person who really does lean the judging on 
what I feel is quality of the art. Because, you know, sometimes you get a ship that's like, oh, that ship has yeah. instant chemistry that anybody can see. But if the RIP team like pulls it out with something really creative, like you got to respect <laughs> that sort of a thing. So yeah. The, and this is like if you're if you have a different if you have a different uh philosophy from the judge then there's yeah emotions i i did think it funny that sometimes it seemed like this episode more than previous ones it seemed like people like if they started arguing something really did come to believe it or at least i felt that because like in other episodes there's been times where i'm like oh how am i going to get behind that and then i do it and then I do, but I still like believe the original thing. Whereas this time I felt like I was convincing myself more mm -hmm. often. So we, we, we are not going to end the show with uh, another game show segment because this is already we're, we're We're already over three hours in the recording. Maybe it's probably be a little tighter for you listening. Glory to Alex uh, there for perfect. <laughs> yeah. But but tight no. game, uh, honestly, no. a tight game this time. I like really, really well game yeah. could have could have gone uh, any direction. So yeah. tight shirt, tight tight <laughs> tight shirt. Uh, Three way tie for second. You know, yeah, like yeah, this is a yeah. neck and neck sort of a fight. Yeah, it really was. You can find us on 70chart.com for all your news, discussion, theories, and fun that you could ever want. We have a sweet Discord server. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you want to support us, you can support us in two ways. You can support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can also put a super comment, uh, and you you can you can do that too, uh, just in the comments below if you want to support us. Uh, and yeah, we what what is going on next? So I think what we're gonna have is we're finally gonna do frugal wizard reactions, and we're gonna have secret project three. So that's what's coming up next. New books and uh, getting back to Frugal Wizard. But, you know, we can get more people on the Frugal Wizard one than when we could in April. So, yay. And ooh, also, also, I, I do just want to say uh, if you missed our trailer for Secrets in Stained Glass, that has come out. And so in less than eh, let me let me just look at the time. Uh, in about a week, you can look at a show that we have been working on for a really long time. The production pipeline, like since October, November, we had session zero in December or one of our session zeros. So go check it out. Alex has spent so much time editing it. And so I hope please, you'll like it. Please watch Secrets in Stained Glass. This has been my life for like eight months we yeah, worked really yeah. hard on it and uh, do, do it for alex do it for um, alex she deserves all the cred for the amazing editing work that she's doing that yeah. also very good stuff it's super fun you guys hell are gonna love yeah. it it's it's pretty sweet uh but yeah so we'll see you all next time bye, bye. Ciao.